Hello, my name is Renee. And if you love music as much as I do, I totally recommend you check out my new podcast series. It's called Break It Down Again with Renee. And what I do is I grab a song from the past and I break it down for you. I tell you little details about who, what, when, and where it was recorded and whatever happened around at the same time that song was released. It's fun and you might find out a couple of things that you might not know about it. So don't forget to check it out. Break it down again with Renee. Available everywhere you listen to your podcasts, like this one, the one you're listening to right now. Hey, ¿qué tal, mi gente? Este es J Balvin. And grab your copy with Rene Pineda. Ya saben, J Balvin, let go, Latino game. Toma su cafecito. Are you ready? All right, let's do this. Grab your coffee. Hi, guys. How are you? Welcome to another episode of Grab Your Coffee with René Pineda. I am your friend and host, René Pineda. Really happy to be able to say hello to you guys. Continuing our um, must-see movies for summer. Now, it is 4th of July, basically. Uh, it's here, practically. It's practically here. And one of the things that I love to do, again, as I had mentioned before, is watch a few movies that sort of kind of get me through summer. And I'm very happy to share these things with you because this is what I love to do. I love to share stories. I love to share um, things like this. And the last movie that we reviewed, quote unquote, just kind of, you know, went through some fun facts, was a hit. I wasn't sure if you guys were going to like it or not. I said, you know what? It's something that I want to share with, with you guys. And I'm so glad I did because you guys had already started requesting more. And I thought, you know what? Let's do it. I'm not going to wait any longer. It is 4th of July and let's just wing it. Let's just do it. Um, I, I've seen this movie so many times that I can kind of tell you from the top of my head, a lot of the quirky things that happen behind the scenes or, you know, fun facts. The movie that I'm talking about is one of my most favorite movies in general. It is a summer movie. In fact, it's a 4th of July movie. It's funny that I should mention that because originally the movie was going to be called The Boys of Summer. And I'm glad it wasn't it wasn't called that afterwards. I, I'm glad they stuck with the name that we all came to know it as, which is The Sandlot. The Sandlot holds a very special place in my heart. It was filmed in 1992, but it was released in 1993. And 1993 was a very special year for me. In general, because, well, you know, you're coming of age, you're, you're, you know, a teenager and things feel different. And for some odd reason, this movie came to remind me that I wasn't old, that we could still have fun. And I'm so glad it did come out when it, when it came out, because I was still able to enjoy my friends. We all have that one summer that we remember clearly. We all have that summer that you know, basically marked us for the rest of our lives in a good way. I grew up in Los Angeles. Most people think that I've lived in the Valley all my life. No, I haven't lived in the Valley all my life. I grew up in Los Angeles. And where I grew up, I was so lucky, blessed, honored to have met the people that I grew up with, the kids that I grew up with. Um, one of them became not just my friend, but like a brother to me. You've heard me mention him before. His name is William. And it's cool because out of all the people that I've grown up with as far as, you know, being a kid, 
he is the only one that I would have picked out of all of them. And I'm and, and I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm, stu- I'm I'm glad I stuck with him. And I'm glad mostly mostly that he stuck with me. We had us some summers. Uh, I remember clearly when um, there was a bank down the street. Actually, not down the street, up the hill where we lived from. And this bank on Saturdays it would close at. I'm not sure if it was 11 a.m. or 12 p.m., but they would close right before noon. And once they would close they would close off the parking lot. And it was a very big parking lot. Back then, everything seemed big. I drove past it a couple of years ago, and it seemed very small. But we made a field out of that, out of that small parking lot. And when I say we, I mean, um, I had, I'm going to say one, two, three, four, I think it was a total of seven or eight of us. And we would play games. The far left side of the uh, of this parking lot had a big old wall and that wall was the backside of a a laundromat I'll tell you the story about the laundromat later on in life uh, that was my first job believe it or not and I'll tell you what it was all about later and then there was like a what else was there was like a barbecue place and other stuff and so that was the home run wall and only one of us could hit the ball that hard and his name was Jimmy Wherever Jimmy is, I still remember him, of course. He's, he, he was there, part of my life. He had such a good bat. He would, I mean, I'm not talking about the bat. He was a good batter. He would swing and he would make that ball just scream over that wall. I'm sure by now that they cleaned him up. But if they would have gone back even, I don't know, a few years ago, they probably would have found a good 100 balls, if not more, of all the balls that we hit across that parking lot and landed on that roof. My gosh, so many tennis balls. And so we would take over this bank every Saturday or even Sundays because Sundays they were closed. So we would just jump over the fence and play baseball. It was boys and girls. It wasn't just guys. It was boys and girls because that's, it's lo que You know, that's what, what, what there was. We were just kids and we wanted to play baseball and hang out with each other. It was summer for crying out loud. So this movie really means a lot to me because of that. Because I did grow up playing baseball. And um, the Sandlot has so many things in common with most of us growing up. Getting a group together of friends and uh, haciendo travesuras, you know, just messing around. That was the thing. I mean, you were a kid. You didn't have anything to worry about. You didn't have a care in the world, for crying out loud. It was mostly, all right, what are we going to do today? Shit, I don't know. Let's uh, go to... I don't know, AM, PM, pick up some hot dogs and a soda and walk back and hang out. That, that, those were our summer days. It was really fun. And so these guys are pretty much the same thing. But the story is being told by um, this man who is actually older now, right? And he's telling the story of how he came to meet this group of guys that basically took him in. He moved from back Midwest somewhere. And here's another cool part. Even though the movie was not filmed in the San Fernando Valley where I live, it actually takes place in the San Fernando Valley. So yet another way to feel happy and proud about my San Fernando, little itty bitty San Fernando Valley that's world known. When people say she talks like a valley girl, guess what? It's because of this valley. It's not any other valley. When people say the valley, this is it right here. This is is the valley. Like, oh my God, like how did like she talk like that? 
Yeah, it comes from here, from the San Fernando Valley. There are a million valleys, but this is the valley. So the place that they actually filmed this whole movie in was in um, Salt Lake City, Utah. Everything. But if you look at the movie, and if you ever have a chance to, uh, to, to travel to California, to Southern California to be exact, and if you can go to um, Burbank, you would think the movie was filmed in Burbank, but it wasn't. It was filmed out there in Salt Lake City. And I don't know why they filmed it out there. Um, I'm thinking it's because it was older, like an older type of town, and it definitely felt like it was the late 60s, which is when the movie supposedly takes place. So there's a lot of uh, signs, like old signs, and the buildings seem like a small town kind of thing, which is what the valley looked like back in the day. It looked like a small little town, but in reality, it was a bunch of small little towns creating the whole San Fernando Valley. So the movie was supposed to be called, right, um, The Boys of Summer. Luckily, it wasn't called that. We came to know it as The Sandlot. And one of the cool things that you, you hear about this movie is that a lot of people identify themselves with it because of the stories that they're being told and all that stuff, right? Cool. Awesome. It was actually inspired in part by a childhood experience from the co-writer and the director, um, whose name is David uh, Mickey Evans. So that's why some of the stories are so real. It wasn't written just because. It was written based on some experiences that they had growing up, which is really awesome when you think about it. Originally, the cast was supposed to be a lot younger. They were aiming for like eight to 10 years old. But when they realized that the acting was going to be like shitty, they thought, hey, you know what, we're, we need to move it up. So they stepped it up to 12 to 13-year-old kids. And I'm glad they did that because the next day after they moved up the age or the age uh, range to hire the actors, and in this case, uh, kids, they hired Mike Vitar, who happens to be Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Yes. If it hadn't been for that move, we probably would have had another kid playing Benny the Jet Rodriguez. And of course, we wouldn't know any better, but I'm glad things worked out the way they did because he is the most perfect guy. His facial features are so humble and he wants to be a mentor and he wants to be a friend and he wants that kid to actually join the group while the others are holding back. I think it's cool. I think we've all met somebody like that that was nice to us, wanted us to be a part of a group and the other assholes didn't want us to be a part of it, but he makes it happen. And that's awesome. Come on, you guys. That's, that's really cool. As the movie progresses, as they become friends kind of thing, they have a, a, a camp out in this tree, right? Here's a funny story about that tree. That tree in reality didn't exist at the Sandlot. They wanted to, to make this, this tree house, but they didn't have a tree that big. And to purchase one or even anything, those are like $100,000 trees. Yes, more than $100,000. So here's the funny part. One of the people in production was driving from uh, wherever they were staying to the sandlot where they were filming. And he saw this man with a chainsaw, right? He is ready to cut this big-ass fucking tree. And he asks him, what are you going to do with it? He's like, I got to chop it down because it's messing up the foundation to my house. And he said, well, can we have it? You know, the guy that, that worked for the movie. And the guy was like, sure, no problem. I mean, Imagine, he would probably be cutting it even today, piece by piece, you know? So when the guy said, hey, we'll take it, the guy was like, sure, why not? So the very next day, they rented a, uh, 
a, a big rig with a 55-foot flatbed kind of thing, and they hauled it away. And when they got it to the sandlot, they opened up a hole, they put some cement in there, and they cemented that tree in there. And that's how they were able to make the tree house for the kids at the sandlot, which was next to Mr. Myrtle's house. But that house didn't even exist there. That fence didn't exist there. I found out years later that the whole thing that we see was handmade. They were all props, you guys. The fence, the little bushes, the grass, everything was set up to look like it was old. But in reality, there was only dirt there at one point. But for the movie, they created this little fake baseball diamond. It's really, really amazing. Amazing how they, they create these things. And we don't know it. It's not years later that when, when a movie becomes something huge, right, that we get to learn about these things. Um, there are so many, many other stories, you guys. Like, um, what else can I tell you? Oh, oh, when, uh, when, when the kids have that, uh, that face-off, right? When they, oh, no, even before that, wait, 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 I had another story for you before I even get there. Okay, so, you know, for the 4th of July, right, I think that's such a beautiful scene, such a beautiful scene when they're playing baseball and, the, and, and there's fireworks in the background and that little speech that Small says when he says, um, you see, for us, baseball was a game, but for Benjamin Franklin Rodriguez, baseball was life. <gasps> oh, my gosh. What a scene, right? So at the end of that scene, a ball rolls right in front of the camera. And it's like, wow, that's a beautiful shot. Here's the thing. They had no idea how they were going to make it so that the ball would roll right into the camera, right? Or the shot, actually. And so they measured about 200 feet, more or less. And they brought in a machine. You know those machines that they use in the um, in the batting cages, right? So they pre-measured. And they said, all right, you know what? This is about as far as we can go, and it's going to land. It's going to be somewhere close to the camera. We'll shoot as many hours as we need to shoot so we can get the right shot so it rolls right into the camera. And and then uh, the following scene, somebody else picks it up, which is Smalls, by the way. Well, guess what? Out of 10 million chances of that happening in one shot, they got it. With the first shot. Luckily, somebody said rolling, and they started rolling the camera, and the machine threw the ball, and the first shot is what we get in the movie of the ball rolling right into the, right into the, the camera shot. Oh, my God! How amazing was that? They didn't have to do anything other than, all right, let's try it. Boom, rolling. They throw the ball, and it lands right smack in the middle of the camera, or to the side a little bit. And they get, the, the, the ball gets picked up, and the following scene, the bullies come. Dun. Right? And here's another quick little story. When, when they're walking towards the bullies, pay attention, okay? If you have to rewind it more than once, do it. I don't care. Do it. You're going to laugh. So they're all tough walking towards the bullies. And I think, I may be wrong, I think it squints, throws the glove like he's going to throw it on the floor, but it actually doesn't come off his hand. It swings backwards. And I think it's Tommy Timmons. That gets hit in the face with the glove. And it's funny because he's like, what the fuck? Like, where did this come from? But they keep rolling. He keeps going. He's a total pro. 11-year-old kid gets hit in the head by or in the face by, by a glove, and he keeps going. He doesn't make a scene about it. He doesn't even look at the camera. 
anybody could have thrown him anything, and boom, <laughs> there, there, there it is, right? It was funny. I, I thought it was funny. Rewind it. Watch it as many times as you have to to, to kind of catch it. It's really funny. Um, guys, the pool scene. My gosh, the pool scene is just one of those things that you're just like, wow, that's amazing, right? It was shot. It was very, very nice colors. So 60s, right? And the story behind that is that I didn't know this, by the way. Uh, I found out years later that all this time, I thought that Squint was kind of shivering because he's nervous because he's about to do his thing with Wendy Peppercorn, the lifeguard, right? <laughs> and turns out I was wrong. In reality, that day, it was fucking freezing. It was like 56 degrees or something. And all the time they were there, it was like 110, 112, 115 at one point. But that one particular day, son of a bitch, it was like 56 degrees. And the guys didn't stand back. They didn't say, you know what? Oh, no, we won't do it. They said, yeah, we'll do it. Why not? And they rolled. And I'm glad they did. Because that cold shivering, I, all this time, I thought he was nervous. But in reality, imagine jumping into a pool at 56 degrees. Well, I mean, if you live in like in the Midwest somewhere where winter is like below zero, you're it's okay with you guys. I mean, I've been to Chicago and I know people in Chicago wear their shorts at like 40 degrees. I've seen it. I've been there. I know it. So these guys got that scene filmed. And <laughs> so the day of the filming of the, of, of the kiss, the director had to remind Squints, listen, dude. Keep your tongue inside your mouth. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, kind of, I understand where the, where the director's coming from because here's a 12-year-old kid about to kiss a 16-year-old girl. It was, so, I, mean, I, I remember watching it and when Tommy says, holy, he's in deep shit. It's funny because, yeah, that's exactly what I thought too. Yeah, me medio pena when he kisses her because she's trying to save his life. And this little shit as she says it a little pervert holds on to her hugs her and he's like Mwah! <laughs> it's like fuck i mean I, I know it's acting but shit i felt that moment i felt it i was like oh my god he's he's in trouble and they get kicked out they were banned but he had to be reminded keep your tongue inside your mouth dude no no tongue okay no tongue <laughs> And so many other stories, you guys, from that movie. Um, the guys knew that they were going to meet uh, James Earl Jones. But they never thought of him as James Earl Jones. They actually thought of him as, oh, we're going to meet Darth Vader. If you didn't know this, by the way, James Earl Jones is the voice of Darth Vader. And so these kids, like me, they were nerds. And they knew exactly what they were, who they were about to meet. But they never thought of him as, oh, James Earl Jones. No. Here comes the voice of Darth Vader. How cool is that? Being a 12-year-old kid and knowing that you're about to meet the voice of Darth Vader. That's That's got to be something freaking awesome, don't you think? Now, uh, this movie is called A Quick Shoot. They filmed this whole movie not even in like three months. They filmed it in 42 days. 42 days and they filmed all this magic. And I'm sure that there's a lot of scenes that were deleted, but I've never seen anything deleted other than whatever's available on the Blu-rays or the DVDs, right? But I've never seen anything that, that that's like really cool. There's a gag reel in one of them. It's just silliness. But I haven't seen anything like that would have changed the story drastically that I would love to see. I, I Honestly, I've, I've never seen anything like that. And I would love to find something. So if by some odd reason there is something out there and you guys have seen it, 
please, please let me know. Shoot me a message, okay? Shoot me a message. Um, and one little thing right before I forget. This is the last uh, little um, fun fact about the movie. Uh, they were actually they were caught in the, in the middle of a lawsuit. Back then, it was 20th Century Fox. Turns out there was a man by the name of Michael Palidoris who, as we all know, his full name is Michael Squint, como le decían, Palidoris. He sued 20th Century Fox, uh, stating that his former classmate, David Mickey Evans, who is now you know the director, that he had based the character on Michael Squint's Palidoris, who is him. And so supposedly, this had caused them a lot of embarrassment and humiliation. Luckily, though, a judge decided to throw it out the window and say there wasn't enough similarity to justify a lawsuit, meaning that the movie could continue using the, the characters inspired in part or by real life people. I think that's when I started reading things like, you know, at, at the beginning of the movie or even at the end, all the characters are fictional or whatever. I think that's when they started doing these these legal things because of people like that. And listen, if you were part of somebody's life and they mention you, I mean, who gives a fuck? You're lucky to be mentioned in a movie. How cool would that be? I mean, imagine someday one of my friends tells a story and he says or she says, hey, and I remember when Renee did this, I'd be honored to be part of somebody's uh, story as long as I get paid for it. Of course. You know what I mean? I'm not going to do that shit for free. Yeah, I was having my man. <laughs> I want my money. All right, you guys. I really do hope you enjoy this. Happy 4th of July. I know you're going to probably listen to this post 4th of July, but, I, but in case you do happen to catch it, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for downloading the podcast. As you can tell, this movie is one of my favorite ones of all time, and I really hope that I inspired you to want to go watch it again if you've already seen it or at least for the first time, and get to love it and enjoy it as much as I do every single summer. It is a great movie. A lot of people compare it to their childhood. I'm going to compare it to nothing other than a great movie, a feel-good movie about friendship, about growing up, coming of age, and something so nostalgic that it makes you wish you had one more summer as an 11-year-old surrounded with your friends. That's how I want to, and that's how I like to remember it. Nothing else, nothing less, nothing more, just a wonderful, feel-good movie that I hope you get to watch. FYI, of course, I'm not getting paid for this. This is just a great movie that I want you to watch when you have a chance. Whenever you get a chance, check it out, okay? All right, that's it for now. My name is Rene. You can find me on Instagram. In fact, please go look for me on Instagram. Rene Alaire. On Instagram, that's my handle, Rene Alaire. Or just look for Rene Pineda, R-E-N-E-P-I-N-E-D-A, Rene Pineda. Instagram, you'll see me. I'm usually wearing a Blackhawks hat with a video game shirt. For the most part, that's all I ever wear. Really, really. That's 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 me. Okay? If you have any questions, shoot me a message. And please, please, if you're enjoying this as much as I am telling the story and you think somebody else is going to enjoy it, share it. Please. That's the best thing you can do. As a matter of fact, I'm asking you, please share my podcast with everyone that you know. Stay safe and happy summer. Hello. I really hope you enjoyed that last episode. 
If so, be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications. This way, you'll know every time I drop a new episode. Also, if you're enjoying the content, why not help support the project? Either one, grab your coffee with Rana Pineda or break it down again. You'll find the link in my bio on my Instagram page. Look for me under Rana Pineda or Rana Alaire. Thanks for the support.